0: You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our senior pastor, Jeremy Hablett. Well, man, it is an awesome to have you guys here. Christmas is here. It is 100 degrees outside. It's not cold at all. I do wanna take advantage of time and I wanna go ahead and dive right in. The title of the message is this. We've been going over the different names of God from Isaiah chapter nine, and today the title of the message is simply this, the Prince of Peace. One of the things that I hope or that I believe in is this, is that for faith to be real, it has to interact with us in our everyday life. And sometimes when you read the stories in the Bible, it can feel distant or even God can feel distant or even foreign on a lot of levels. And one of the ways that I preach the way I do is because these are ways that I've seen God work in my life. And again, I believe faith should be for the everyday thing. And so here you have this Prince of Peace who you know from Isaiah nine, and we're gonna read that passage in a little while. And it sounds amazing, it's this incredible passage of scripture, but what does the Prince of Peace mean for all of us today? Because all of us have had experiences and we go through moments in life of, I call it the what if. It's that messy middle of we don't know how things are gonna play out, we don't know how things are gonna land, it can be a challenge for sure. And that messy middle time, it's like well, we're not sure if things are gonna go okay or not. So how does the Prince of Peace come into our life in those messy middle moments? I've shared a lot of stories with you guys. This is one of the ones that I've shared with you guys. But my wife in 2019 was at a regular doctor checkup, and the doctor spotted a significant lump on her thyroid. And so, of course, you know, panic alarms go off, and you go on WebMD, and by the time I thought my wife had three weeks left to live, and like... You go down the rabbit hole. But what happened is, you know, you go and he's like, well, let's schedule a biopsy. So back in 2019, my wife goes for a biopsy and, and you know, they do this injection and they get part of the thyroid out and they send it off and you have to wait a while. And it, to me, it's the waiting and not knowing. Anyone else with me? It's that like, well, how are things going to shake out in this whole situation, you know? And biopsy comes back. We get the results. Guess what? Inconclusive. Are you kidding me? In stinking conclusive. Schedule again, we go back, round two. This time he's like, I got even more stuff. I'm like, that's good, let's not get an inconclusive result. And then you wait even longer. This is round two of waiting. And you're just like, what's gonna happen? Round two comes back, and inconclusive, twice. And of course you go down all kinds of rabbit holes, it's the what if. And of course there's this phrase that a lot of us know, ready? It's the phrase of hope for the best, plan for the worst. Anyone in here? It's a a phrase to live by. It's in in between the messy situation, so then we're faced with, well, how do we wanna navigate this? And so we opted to remove that part of her thyroid in surgery, so we went, scheduled the surgery, doctor did a great job, removed that part of her thyroid, and then afterwards we sent that part out to see what the deal was. That came back benign. I was gonna say inconclusive, but now it's gonna work for you guys. Came back benign. But that period of time of waiting was the what if. And that's life. So, when we talk about a prince of peace, how does this prince of peace play out for all of our what ifs? When we're uncertain how things are gonna actually shake out. I'll give you, and I've been through so many what ifs the same as you, all of us have had them. In Nicaragua, we had this kid, we would play soccer on Saturday nights right before our youth ministry event we would have, and we had this kid, 14, 15 years old, uh, athletic, good guy, playing soccer right outside on the street, and that's very normal, by the way, in Nicaragua, playing soccer before service would start, and he went to go kick the ball, and he missed, and I was right out there, I was just a couple of feet away, and he whiffed it, this is not a kid who whiffs it normally, but he whiffed it, I mean, two and he fell backwards and his head hit the side of the concrete. The, the, the curb is what he hit. And immediately I ran over to where he was and I looked at him and I knew that it was really a bad situation because I, I, I held him, I did my best not to move him too much and his eyes rolled to the back of his head. And I'm, I was the person in charge. Sometimes you don't wanna be the person in charge. Sometimes you're like, where is where, the, and you're like, oh, okay. So anyway, I'll follow up with that story with him in in a little while later. Yeah, I know, I'm gonna leave you hanging, that's right. I got your back. The what ifs, and how does the Prince of Peace, how does that impact us for all of our what ifs? We've had so many what ifs in the last couple of years, and guess what, you know what's gonna happen next year? You're gonna have even more what ifs. It's what ifs, what if this? Well, hope for the best, plan for the worst. Where does God play into this for us? Well, I wanna just start actually at the, I'm gonna use two verses, the very first verse in the entire Bible, the very last verse in the Bible, and then we're gonna go to Isaiah chapter nine, and then we're gonna go to a passage that maybe you would never ever read on a Christmas uh, thing. Ready? So let's go at the very beginning, here it is. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And last week, if you were in first service, I have a little something for you. Verse two says this, the earth was without form and it was void. Woo! All week I practiced that. If you weren't in first service last week, you have no idea. I said it to myself: "You can do it. You can do it. You can do it." In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So the very beginning, you have God, and then the very last verse in Revelation twenty-two twenty-one. This is how the Bible ends. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. So you have a beginning. And you have an ending. And in both places, God is present and he's there. In the beginning, he's in the moment of creation. In the beginning, God. And he creates the heavens and the earth. And in the end, he is bringing us along with us. And may God be with his holy people. So God, one of the names for God is he's the Alpha and he is the Omega. He is the beginning and he is the end. But how do we navigate again in the messy middle? somewhere in the middle of when everything was created and then when he brings everything to a close, at least this earthly, this earthly way that we understand things to a close before we go into eternity with him, somewhere in the middle, God didn't just leave us abandoned. Somewhere in the middle, he said, I'm not gonna just let you wander off and go around, I'm actually gonna show up, which is why somewhere in the middle, we have this amazing passage in Isaiah the one that we've been reading this entire series that you know now probably pretty well. Somewhere in between, Jesus comes. And I love Isaiah again because it tells us who he is. It says, for a a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Somewhere in the middle, in the what ifs, in the I don't know how it's gonna shake out the prince of peace comes. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from his throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. So the question is this, how does he bring us peace? How does God bring us peace? Now in order to understand this, I wanna just ask this question, which is, I think all, you know, in the what ifs, ready? What are the things that actually steal our peace? Fear, anxiety. It's the, the waiting for the worst to actually happen. I don't, okay, let me ask you another question. Have you ever, I mean, growing up, have you ever been in a good, like, fight, like, like, fist fight? Anyone? Talk to me. I have some stories in this room. You're like, yeah, I had one last night. Anyway, I'm glad you're in church this morning. I know some of you are perfect. You never had anything. You memorized the Bible in its original language when you were three. I understand you never had any issues. I've been in several fights. I was in a private Christian school. Nothing like private Christian schools for fights. Got into a fight with a kid named Michael. I was like, I was gonna say his last name, but I was like, no, someone will look him up. I don't, anyway, all right. His name was, yeah, his name was Michael. Got into a fight, no punching of the face, just wrestling and punching on the shoulders. That is a, that's a hard, cool uh, private school fight right there. You know what I'm saying? The, oh, 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 and, and we were, anyway. Had to write like 300 times some really long verse in the Bible. But I got into one fight. We're living in Chile, South America and uh, there was this, they have like these little kiosks where you can go and get like whatever, you know, d- snacks or food and anyway, whatever it is, these kiosks. And this kiosk that was around the house from our neighborhood had one arcade and it was Street Fighter. Now that was my jam when I was a kid. I could throw down playing Street Fighter and so this kid and I, it was just him and I were playing and things got a little tense and we ended up talking some trash and we ended up walking on the street, we ended up fighting. And I was like, I can take this kid. So I start punching him and he balls up like this and I just, I'm like, oh man, this is awesome. I love this fight. And I just start getting tired. You, they don't tell you, by the way, and this is the weirdest message you've ever heard for Prince of peace, but anyway, they don't tell you when you fight how exhausting it is. I'm like, oh man. So I'm like, this is it. So I slow down and the moment that I stop, he pops up from his ball, turns and looks at me and just right in the nose. And blood starts coming out. You're getting hit, you you're got hit in the nose with a ball or something, and you know how your eyes water? The worst thing you can do in a fight is start crying. You know what I'm saying? Especially when you're a teenage boy. But immediately, I'm <laughs> I ran to left, that's my fight. The moment you hit the what if zone, do you know what happens? Fear and anxiety come to, to wanna fight you. It's the most natural thing. Anxiety, by the way, happens when we try to control things we have no business or power to control. When you try and control something that you know you actually have zero control over, you know what happens? You become deeply anxious. How come I can't? It's like we try to hold on to these things. But I'm just telling you, it's like they're coming to fight you. And where does it fight you? It fights you right here in your mind. So I'm gonna do something to explain how God actually gives us peace. And I'm actually gonna use three points of a message that I did like a month and a half ago. Y'all don't remember it anyway, so I'm fine to use it again. But I'm gonna tell you, I don't even remember my own messages, okay? I'm so ADD, it's not even funny. So let me give you three simple just explanations of how God gives us peace, and then I'm gonna end it with something just a little bit different, okay? So let me tell you, when it comes to the what ifs, we have to wrestle with this. The first statement I'm gonna give you is this, is that when we imagine things happening, we have to understand that the worst case scenario, guess what, it may never happen, okay? Okay? this is what I mentioned the last time I did the message, just a month and a half ago. Penn State did a study where they surveyed a whole bunch of people who asked them to put down, what if the worst case scenario puts down, people wrote it down. In 91% of the cases, the worst, it never even happened. So how many people in the messy middle are stuck waiting for the worst to happen, and guess what? It never happens. Anyone else like that out there? Anyone else? Okay, I'm Captain Worst Case Scenario, Jeremy. And that Lord has been teaching me why is the default setting always worst case? Guess what, it may never happen. Let me, let me give you, there's only three scenarios, by the way, that can play out. Over and over again, there's only three that can play out. This, the second scenario is this, is that it may happen, but guess what, it's not as bad as you thought it would be. That situation of an employee you had to confront, a family member you had to navigate through. I mean, I'm just telling you that those, those it may happen, but not as bad as you think. But here is this last one. This is why being a Christian and navigating through the what-ifs matters so much. It may happen, but God can walk you through it. And so when you hit the what-if moments in life, the benefit of walking with God is you have an understanding that regardless of what comes your way, God is not gonna leave you. It's amazing, it's different, you you can't expect it. And here's the thing, over and over again, okay, the kid who went and whiffed the soccer ball and his head hit the curb, we just so happened to have a team of teenagers from the US, from Texas, who were visiting with us. A bunch of teenagers from the US visiting with us. On that team, one of the chaperones was a dad who, guess what, happened to be a doctor. So here I am, and I'm looking, I'm like, well, oh my goodness, what do we navigate through this? Okay, is there anyone there who can help? Is there a doctor in the room? We're on the street in the middle of playing soccer in Nicaragua. Is there a doctor in the room? Why, yes, there's a doctor in the room. It just so happens that on this one night there was a team, and here he is, a doctor from Houston, a pretty big deal doctor, actually. In fact, he said, Oh, I can help take care of this whole situation. Kid ended up being fine. Took him to the doctor, ended up having, or took, took him to the hospital. The doctor was with him the whole time. I'm there translating for the doctor back and forth. That doctor handed handed the kid off from what he was doing to care for him over to the Nicaraguan doctors. The kid ended up coming back the following Saturday and playing soccer, and I said, for the love of all things, don't whiff it anymore, okay? (laughs) You jerk. (laughs) You're You're so selfish. You stress me out. In the what ifs, in the very worst case scenario situations. Now here's the problem a lot of times. Ready? In the worst case scenarios, do you know what we want? We want God to rescue us. A dear friend once told me sometimes that that sometimes I can be the damsel in distress. I want God just to rescue me out of something. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Get me out. But here's the thing with God. You know what he does? He carries us through. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, there your rod will comfort and protect me. In other words, At the darkest, most uncertain moments of your life, the Prince of Peace is close at hand. It's incredible, actually. And so with this anxiety and fear of us trying to control and navigate through things, it's unbelievable. No, a story that I've shared with you many times, we've had three kids, my wife and I, we, we actually lost a kid as well. So we, we've been pregnant four times, lost a kid and three kids. Two of our three kids were born in Nicaragua when we were living there as missionaries. Our third and only kid to be born in the US was born right in St. Francis and then ended up having to go to the NICU because his lungs were not developed. Now, these are all things I've told you guys before and you've heard these stories a thousand times, but I'm gonna share with you an element that, that you've not heard me talk about before and it's an element that often doesn't get talked about. It's the financial side of things which is real, y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay, so my wife and I, so, so let me just say this, let me start off this way. My wife and I, or that year when she was pregnant, it was an unbelievably complicated and scary pregnancy. I mean, it was very, very scary. In fact, the, the, before my son was delivered, um, my wife spent a month in the hospital because she was at great risk. I mean, it was a scary time to say the least. And, and so she's in the hospital. Finally, the doctors are like, at 35 weeks, just a couple of weeks early, they're like, it's too much of a risk for him to stay in there. We need to take him out to make sure that my wife is gonna be okay. Now, the surgery is scheduled. In fact, they bumped someone else. They actually bumped several people out because it became a really serious situation. After my son was delivered, they were gonna have to do another surgery on my wife. Something about me, which you may not know. I like to joke a lot, especially in stressful situations in stressful situations, and by the way, I don't do dad jokes, I do dark jokes. I say the thing that shouldn't be said in the worst moment possible. That's how I relieve stress. Anybody else dark sense of humor in here? I have the darkest sense of humor. So I am in the delivery room with my wife and the doctors and nurses, and I'm saying all kinds of nonsense. I'm not making it easier for anybody, but I'm relieving all kinds of stress with dark humor, left and right. My son is born. I'll show you the picture. This is the moment right where my son is born, just to give you an idea. There he is into the world. But then I know, <laughs> the doctors are like, okay, sir, please exit the <laughs> exit, because I have to do another surgery on my wife, and I think they were sick of me being in that room of saying all kinds of nonsense. So right after this picture, they escort me out, and then after they escort me out, uh, they do the surgery on my wife and I'm sitting there in the waiting room waiting to see how it's gonna go and it's, a, it's anyway, it's a, it was a whole thing. And uh, while I'm waiting for my wife, I'm there where my son is and that's when he begins to get really bad and that's where he's not breathing well. And the thing about C-sections, which we've had C-sections, which by the way, a separate side story, we had a, we, my wife didn't wanna have C-sections. Our first kid, who were, our daughter who was born in Nicaragua, they were inducing my wife in labor, we're in Nicaragua, inducing her on the delivery date, she's walking around the hospital saying, "Please come out." Nothing happened. Ended up going to a C-section in Nicaragua, and this is how the Lord—this is how good the Lord is. This is, this is. I didn't even plan on telling the story. The umbilical cord was wrapped around the exit. If my daughter would have been born through natural means, the umbilical cord would have tied around her neck, and she would have choked. So the Lord prevented my wife from being induced into pregnancy, so that so that my wife, so that my daughter would be okay. Anyway, so here we are in the states. C-section third kid. My son is starting to get really, really bad. My wife's in surgery, has no idea. Comes out of surgery, my wife's surgery ended up going well, and then I have to tell my wife that her son isn't doing well. And then for the next like two months, my wife recovers in the hospital because it was an intense procedure she went through, and then my son is in the NICU. And for a while there, we thought he would die. And my, it was the hardest thing for my wife was not being able to hold her son. She didn't get to hold him once because the moment that she's recovering, he's in the NICU. So after this trauma, and we've talked about this before on stage, it's very, very difficult. Um, once I found out that my son was gonna be okay and I knew my wife was gonna be okay, the dark sense of humor came back. And I'm like, how expensive is this situation gonna be? <laughs> and I'm in the NICU and I'm like, those gloves are $2,000 gloves. <laughs> That gauze right there, how much is that gonna be? I not wanna take out a loan to pay for that right now. I'm gonna bring my own equipment in here and just start setting stuff up. I drove my wife crazy. Let me, let, me, let me show you, so here's my wife holding our son for the first time after all this stuff. This is the first moment she held him. This is like several months after he was born, okay? And so I'm just telling you, like this whole, this whole what if situation uh, played out. And, and I'll say, I wasn't gonna do this picture, but I'm totally gonna do this picture. My dark sense of humor when I say stuff that I shouldn't say in moments. When my son first came home, he came home with oxygen. Here my wife is, the last one, looking at me, like why the heck are you saying something? (laughs) My wife is not feeling well, and so uh, don't tell her I played this picture. I'm holding all 'all. (laughs) y'all. Okay, so once I found out, Ellis, our son was gonna be okay, my wife was gonna be okay, Now, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm glad everyone's gonna be okay. Now I'm like, I don't know if we can afford any of this stuff. And the bills start coming in. Now, out of all of the kids that we had, it just so happened, and this is the only year we've ever had this. We've never had this insurance before or after. We were on a group insurance plan that had a catastrophic addendum policy. That if you had a catastrophic situation, it would show up and help pay for stuff. We've never had it since, we've never had it before, the one year that my wife spent a month in the hospital and then my kid spent two months in the NICU and then we had several surgeries that year, we just so happened to have a catastrophic policy. Just the one year! And you know how you schedule, once, once you hit the max out of pocket, you're like, we're all going to the doctor! Grandma, we're going to the doctor, everyone! <laughs> Get up, everyone, everything, now, now, now! In the midst of all of this, and by the way, while my son is in the NICU, the house that we had just moved into, it rained so bad in one of those rains that it flooded the house. I'm talking stress. And I'm just like, man, in the what ifs, like what is gonna, bills start rolling in. We only had to pay $2,000 for everything max out of pocket. Now that's, a, that's real, right? Because the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace in the what-ifs doesn't stay far away. He comes close. So now in the Christmas story, in this Christmas story, which is beautiful, there's several elements of it, and you're going to hear it in the podcast this week. I encourage you to listen to it. But one of the elements is of John the Baptist, because John the Baptist is gonna declare the way for the Lord. And it's awesome. And John the Baptist is this incredible guy. And it's always interesting when I open up the Bible, one of the things I love about the Bible is that all of the people that God uses, almost all of the people that God uses, have done some stuff that are pretty jacked up. Moses, who God used, murdered somebody. I mean, you you look at David. David, the the man after God's own heart committed adultery. God still used and worked in David's life. Now, he brought them to repentance, but he still used and worked in their life. The only person in the Bible that I can see that that didn't do something a little bit jacked up is like Daniel. And I don't like Daniel very much because everything Daniel did was like, when he faced persecution, it says, well, he got down and thanked the Lord. I'm like, Daniel, come on. Let us hear a little something bad about you. I wanna relate. Almost everybody in the Bible is something bad. John the Baptist, think about this. This is what Jesus said about John the Baptist the greatest man who's ever been born. And yet, I'm gonna take you to a passage of scripture because even John the Baptist wrestled. This is a verse you maybe have never read or thought about in terms of Christmas stuff, but after John is born and after he declares the way for the Lord, in fact, John declared that Jesus was the Messiah in this passage of scripture and I want you to see it. Ready? John actually begins to doubt whether or not Jesus is actually the Messiah. So what does John do later on? By the way, John is in prison, he's in jail. What does John do? He sends two of his disciples to actually go and ask Jesus if he's actually the Messiah. So in this passage, in Luke chapter seven, verse 20, John's two disciples found Jesus and said to him, John the Baptist sent us to ask, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses, evil spirits, and he restored sight to many who were blind. Then he told John's disciples, go back and tell them what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. Let me just stop here real quick. Even John the Baptist, who Jesus said is the greatest man born, ready? Ready? Even John the Baptist wrestled with finding peace and he sent his disciples to go ask, Jesus, are you really the Messiah? So I've said we have fear and anxiety that can steal our peace away. Let me give you one other thing that steals all of our peace, ready? Us, ourselves. Do you know why? Because where we try to go find peace is when things don't go our way, you know what we try and do? We wanna understand why. We search for peace in trying to understand, which is the very reason. John is sitting in jail. He's already declared that Jesus is the Messiah, and you know what's happening to John? He doesn't understand what's happening. He thought Jesus would get rid of the Romans. He believed that Jesus with the Messiah would actually set everything straight, and instead, Jesus is not doing that. John is in prison, and he's asking himself, things are not going the way I I thought they would go. Ready? He doesn't understand, and because he doesn't understand, he wrestles with a lack of peace. This is common for all of us. The moment that something difficult happens, our very first question, ready, is why? Because if we can understand why we think, then therefore we can have peace because the pain that we're dealing with often is in our lack of understanding. Now let me free you up so that you can experience and walk with the God who is with you, ready? We wanna find peace in what we can understand. God wants us to find peace by trusting in him. Let me give you a phrase that has helped me. You don't have to understand in order to believe. You don't have to understand in order to believe. And this is why I think so many people miss the peace that God wants to give to them because what we want is for God to come in and give us an explanation of everything and God doesn't do that. So Jesus or John sends disciples to go talk to Jesus and I want you to hear Jesus' response to John. He says this, go back and tell John this, that the blind can see, that the lame can walk, that those with leprosy are being cured. What he's saying is this, John, the image that you had of the Messiah, I maybe am not that image, I am different, but what I am is I am close and I am personal. Tell him that people who have been bound in chains are being set free. Go tell John, I am the one who you prepared the way for. And what I want you to see is this, we can believe that God can walk close to us. But the thing that prevents us is when we try to find peace and what we can wrap our minds around and understanding something, that's where we say, well, and do you know how many people I've seen walk away from God because they don't understand it? Now let me even put a greater emphasis, ready? Just because you don't understand it now doesn't mean you won't understand it later so many people walk away because they don't understand now what's happening. I'm here to tell you something. God doesn't always explain what he's doing now, but oftentimes you look back and you say, now that's why I see why God did that. Anyone have one of those stories in their life? God with us. This Prince of Peace who is more than anything we can imagine. No one can compare with him. That's why we get a chance to celebrate a God who, somewhere in the messy middle showed up not so that we could understand everything, but so we could have a relationship with him so that when, the, when the, even the worst case scenario plays out, we don't have to walk through it alone. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.